Joshua Arend, and I'm here with our co-host Jody Thomas. Hello, hello. Excited to be with everyone today. On today's episode, we're going to explore the Word of God, the interests, and lifestyles of the apostolic world. Well, if you joined us last time on our last episode, we talked about knowledge and wisdom, and when it comes to social media, and we use the saying, knowledge consists of knowing a tomato is a fruit. And wisdom is knowing not to put the tomato in a fruit salad. Mm -hmm. Wisdom is understanding how to use what we know in the best possible ways. Well, this kind of segues in today's topic. And our topic for today is social discernment. And with today's online world, it, because it has firmly established a lifestyle of deception, this has made it essential that we seek truth using wisdom especially with the things we're watching online, reading mm -hmm. online, um, the social media platforms we're involved with. I think Page. it's important that we use wisdom. Pages we follow. Mm -hmm. To find what really is being said, um, what really is being talked about, the truth behind uh, the post, I guess. Um, so social discernment, basically in a nutshell, is about correctly identifying what we are being introduced to correctly processing it, and then using a wise response in regard to the truth of the subject that was just learned. So I'd like to dig into this a little bit, but start with what discernment is not. Let's start with what it's not. Discernment is not confirming something we hope or want to be true. So we use this too with uh, biblical hermeneutics. Right. The <clears throat> one of the uh, rules or guidelines of biblical hermeneutics is when you read your Bible, you are not to read it trying to prove your theory. Right. You're trying what you to, want it to say. Correct. You let the scripture do the talking and we response to the words in it. That's a, very similar to discernment. So discernment is not making something fit our wants or our hopes and making it true. Also, discernment is not about making us feel better about what we already believe. I know in today's society that might ruffle a few feathers, but discernment isn't always going to make us feel better. Right. So then what is discernment? Discernment is defined as the act of judging well. And if we apply this definition to our topic, social discernment, then that would make Social discernment, the act of judging well in regard to any and all online experiences and their immediate and long-term impacts that's on us, our culture, and even our minds, and things similar to that. And discernment is also found in multiple places in the Bible. And later in the podcast, we will really dive into what the scripture has to say about discernment when it's geared towards a social aspect but Proverbs 17, 24, and I kind of wrote this in, I didn't write this, but I copied it in two different translations because it's very interesting in the wording. So the English Standard Version says this, the discerning of Proverbs 17, 24, the discerning sets his face towards wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. And then the New Living Translation of the same verse, Proverbs 17, 24 says, Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. So a discerner, who, a person who is a discerner will set his face or her face towards wisdom. But the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. And it's very easy with today's society and the technology that is within reach and available where we can put our eyes on a lot of earthly things. The next big thing, the next new trend. 
Right. What's around the corner? What, mm-hmm. What's happening now? We talked about a little bit about the the addiction with the dopamine being released in in last episode. With the we use the analogy of the slot machine lever. Yep. Um, so the online world is trying to get our focus to be on it, its beliefs, its morals, its its ethics, its way of thinking. And so we need a discerning mind, a discerning heart, a discerning spirit to be able to make sense of what's really going on, you know, online. And so I'd like to kind of dive in here a little bit and lay this foundation right up front. So there is basically three factors that come into play anytime we are trying to discern an event, situation, you know, a conversation. So there's three things that goes into discernment. The first is what we're going to call a claim, okay? So this is where we don't want to jump the gun here. We want to, when somebody is saying something online, on an app, on a social media platform, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, whatever, we really need to listen to all that is being said to not jump ahead or, you know, lose our attention or focus and we're not listening really to what's being said. Um, So we got to pay attention and to the entirety of the conversation. Yes. We need to read all the words that are written. I know, Jody, you're you're an avid reader, so I know that you have <laughs> probably mastered the art of speed read. Yes, I do read very fast. But I think that's important that you read something in its entirety, like you said, that you're not reading the sentence that jumps out to you and ignoring the rest because you can completely misinterpret or misunderstand what the post was saying right and that's that's the goal during the the portion called the claim that we are trying to get the full picture with all the pieces uh, put together so we fully understand the claim what somebody is claiming to be truth what Mm -hmm. somebody is claiming to be their reality right so the second factor of discernment once we have thoroughly listened to what a person or a topic is saying, what a social media platform is trying to present to its community. When we've listened to all of the different elements, okay, so then the second one is called reality. And this is when we we take all of the elements that that topic, the claim is saying, all the different angles it's coming at, all the different theories, all the different opinions, all the different speculations that the claim is trying to make. And we take time to research each element, each angle, to understand the points that are trying to be Mm -hmm. made. Mm -hmm. And this is vital because this will help us with the final factor of discernment, which is comparison. So once we have listened to the entirety of the claim and we have studied and researched the thought process behind the fact checked what they're saying, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that what they're saying is true, but they right. are presenting it as truth. Right. And so you have to understand where they're coming from or the, the platform, whether it's an individual or a business or an organization um, or a corporation, whatever. And then that leads us to the final bit of discernment. This is when it's really put into action. So discernment now under comparison is when we take the representation of reality. That's the claim where they are saying, this is my representation of the reality of the situation. And we have studied it, so we know where they're coming from, and we compare the represented reality with true reality. Right. And when you compare those two together, that is when a person, an individual, is practicing discernment. That's when you know you're discerning something, when you have thoroughly listened to somebody, you haven't prejudged them, you haven't jumped ahead, you really heard them out, or you mm-hmm. read their, their body of work, and you know their opinions, you know where they're coming from, and then you take that and you begin to do a comparison with what is that you know to be true. And sometimes that lines up. Right. Sometimes, and discernment isn't always proving somebody wrong. No. It's maybe they are right, but you have to go through this process to come to that the, the truth of it. Yep. You know, and in the Bible, there is one of the greatest examples that that came to my mind of biblical discernment in play, in action, using this this structure. So 1 Kings 3.16, 
it says, then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. And we're going to call this the claim. This is the claim, right? Where they're presenting their representation of reality. Right. Two prostitutes come before the king and they stand before him. Verse 17, then one woman says, oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. And then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone, and there was no one else in the house, only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she laid on him. And she arose at midnight, and she took my son from beside me while your servant slept, and laid him at her breast, and laid her dead son at my breast. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had borne. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. And the first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. So they just stake their claim, right? She the, said, she said. Right. She said, she said. Mm-hmm. How do you know the truth? So Solomon, he's the one that's going to have to use discernment. And he's thoroughly listened to all points of views and their angle and their interpretation of the reality that took place, right? So now the second part of discernment, the reality section. This is where Solomon makes sure that he understood correctly the elements in the claim and the res- represented reality. And verse 23 of 1 Kings 3, Then the king says to them, The one says, This is my son that is alive, and your son is dead. And the other says, No, but your son is dead, and my son is the living one. So he basically repeats, condenses down. Make sure he understands what they're saying. Yeah, he yep. tells them their story. So he can, I don't know if they're nodding their head, but I'm sure there was some <laughs> body language, you know, yeah. that confirmed that he had the story straight from right. them. And that is the reality, right? That's the reality section of discernment. When you, you do your fact checking, right? Make sure the story is accurate. Now he's going into the third part of the process of discernment called comparison. And this is where Solomon compares the two women's or the two moms' representation of reality against each other. So he compares their realities towards the truth of the situation. And this is what he does. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two. And that seems pretty grotesque. And he doesn't go through with it. But the wisdom in this, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. And then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. And then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death, for she is the mother. And all Israel heard the judgment that the king had rendered, And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. So here, King Solomon used the process of discernment. He used the claim. He listened thoroughly. He fact-checked it with the reality. And then he compared what they said was the reality against what he could really do. He could have divided that child. He wasn't going to, but he could have. But the reality of that child dying forced a response of truth from the ladies. Right. And the true mom said, no, don't kill him. She was willing to give up her son to save his life. And he that instantly mm-hmm. showed wisdom to the king, and he discerned she was the real mom. Right. So in the Bible, this process is used. And we want to bring it into, um, into the same ballpark as social discernment. When we're online, we're using social media apps, we're talking with people, we're, we're using social media uh, in our lives, and we need a little bit of discernment in this yes. area. I think people yes, need a do. little bit of help with this. Yes, we do. So I've kind of picked three areas, and there's many more, but we don't have time to go through them all. But let's start with the first one. I, I think areas that we need very much social discernment. The first, how about relationships? <laughs> friendships, business yeah. partnerships, and even intimate relationships, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We, oh, they're my friend, but we, have you met Are them? Are they though? <laughs> right. <laughs> what are they? are they saying behind your back? There's so many people we haven't even met. 
Right. I'm, I'm a big video gamer, and I've been gaming with people for years. I've never mm-hmm. met them. Be like, oh, yeah, they're my friends. Yep, my kids do the same I thing. I wouldn't know them if I met them in, if I nope. them in Walmart. No. Nope. Right. So and they're like, not the person you're going to call if you need help. <laughs> right. Are they your friend? So John MacArthur, he wrote this amazing article, and it's called Social Media and Digital Discernment. And part of the article, when he's, he's kind of narrowing in on what he calls virtual fellowship, this is what his article says, and I just thought it was so good. So I'm going to read it here. Uh, John MacArthur writes, it has, it has, that's the virtual fellowship, the potential to foster shallow relationships and detract from real ones. Instead of enhancing deep friendships, it tends to flatten out and impersonalize the dynamics of human, human interaction, creating what Umer Hawk calls thin relationships. And he wrote that writing in the Harvard Business Review. And Hawks notes, he says this, despite all the excitement surrounding social media, the internet isn't connecting us as much as we think it no, is. No, it isn't. I mean, why do you use Facebook? I keep in touch. I keep in touch, right? As this is what they're addressing. That everybody, if you ask them why, you know, challenge somebody to get off Facebook. I can't. I, I, I stay in touch. I'm connected, right? So that is the claim, right? Yeah. It keeps me connected, and we'll, and we'll get to that in a minute. I'm, yeah. I'm going to keep reading here, but, but he's on point here. Despite all the excitement surrounding social media, the Internet isn't connecting us as much as we think it is. It's largely home to weak, artificial connections, what I call thin relationships. And that's a really good phrase. Yes, it is. Thin relationships. These are the illusion of real relationships. So they're not real relationships. They're the illusion of it. He goes on to explain that thanks to the explosion of so-called friendships in the world of social networking, the very word relationship has lost its value. Get this. So true. It used to mean someone you could count on. Today, it means someone you can swap bits with. That is exactly what is going on. Swap memes back and forth. Right. Mm -hmm. A friend used to be somebody you could count on. And now it's just somebody you can laugh at a meme with, right? Yep. MacArthur's article goes on to say that Hawk is not alone in his observations, that uh, Gervas Markham, a Mozilla Foundation programmer, quoted in the Sydney Morning Herald, this is what he says, that he echoed the same concerns. Social networking encourages people to have a greater number of much shallower friendships. I know what 15 of my friends had for breakfast, but I don't know... <laughs> whether any of them is struggling with major life issues. Now, this was wrote in 2010, right? But listen to this prediction. This article that was wrote in 2010, it says, if this trend continues, people in 2020 will have hundreds of acquaintances, but very few friends. That is, that's so true. Is he right? Yes. He's a prophet. I would agree with that. Because the average person on Facebook has well over 100 connections. But does anyone have 100 real, true friends? Not a chance. No. No. No, there's, I mean, I can think, um, there's a list of probably less than 10 people that I would call if I needed something urgently. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Very few friends. I've talked many times with my daughter over the years, and some of those conversations were about true friends. Yes. You know, and when she was young and growing, and, you know, young minds are learning and very naive oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, but Dad, these are my friends. And as an adult, I'm like, well, you know, you don't even <laughs> know friend. half these people. You, <laughs> right. you met them? Well, no, no, you know, they're a friend of a friend, and now they're my friend. They just friend requested me, and I don't <laughs> want to be mean. So I want us to do a social discernment exercise here. And let's kind of do this with the, the topic of relationships, with, with online friendships. So let's, let's start with a claim, right? So a claim would be this. Online friends, our statement would be online friends are close to us. They will be there for us in tough times. They love us more than our in-person friends and family. 
That seems to be a truth that's being presented by people who are defending online friendships or online relationships that they are real friends. They are true friends and they're, they love us more than our own family. Right. They're, they know us better than our, our, our classmates we've been in grade school with for, for 10 years. Right. Right. That's the claim. And the reality, this is the reality of that claim. When, when they make those points, I do believe that online friends and connections receive probably a hundred times more communication from us than in-person people. We're always sending texts. We're always, you know, like if you, the example I use, you know, you're on the game and you're talking, right. you, know, you spend hours talking or, you know, you're now with, after quarantine, you know, you're in Zoom meetings with these people. We spend a lot of time communicating with people we don't know on the internet. And they see, they will see more pictures probably than our own mom and dad will of our family. I show, yeah. you know, you put things on Instagram left and right, but when Pet you actually pictures. sit down and go to a photo album with your family, right? that happens, but that's rare, you know, or once a year thing or once a holiday thing, right? right. But you're sharing pictures. People are sharing pictures every day of their life. They're, well, they're just pumping that stuff out there. Well, and you're sending a hundred texts and pictures and memes, but so are all of their other connections. Yep. So you're one amongst many. Right. Just another sheep in the fold more things to scroll past (laughs) (laughs) so so using our example and coming back to the comparison and let's compare the perceived reality the rationalized reality to the true reality so with online relationships the people online that we're connected with they only read what we send to them and they only see the selected pics that we want them to see. Mm-hmm. So we only show them what we want to show them. Right. It's a so, very tailored view. Yeah. They don't really know us because we never pull back that curtain. We always keep defenses up. But on the flip side of that, right, we only read what they write. And we only see right. what they want us to see. So we don't know them either, really. Right. We just see, in your words, a tailored version of them, and they see a tailored a version of us. filtered version of their life. Yep. Very mm. filtered. Yes. And Sunshine, rainbows, and care bears. <laughs> one of my favorite sayings. Yep. <laughs> it is a magical, mystical wonderland right. of fakeness. My life is perfect. So the reality, though, right, of our real friends, this is our real friends versus mm. online friends. Our real friends are people who are in our in-person life. They see everything, not just what we want them to see. Right. They see us in our good times, our bad times. Right. They see us when our hair's not done and when it is done. They see us when we're in a happy <laughs> mood and when we're in an angry mood. And those are the people that will discern <laughs> when, when you're having a hard time, even if you don't say it. Exactly. You know, I've had, you know... Speaking of your wife, our pastor's wife, she's come to me before and I've not said anything. And she's been like, all right, I've watched you have a hard time. Let's talk mm-hmm. about it. You know, those are the people that they, they pick up on that. They know you. Even when you're trying to be, ha ha, you know, laugh it up. But they, they sense that. And that's a reality friend mm-hmm. who's a friend in the world we live. Right. Who's really a friend. We might not be texting them every day and sending pics to them every day, but they're the ones that, that actually sees us right. pretty much as we are. Right. We can try to fake it, but, you know, the saying I love to use, you know, uh, a fat man can only hold his belly in so long. Right. Eventually, you know, you're, you're holding that belly in while you're taking that picture, but when it's over, <laughs> you relax. Well, right. people relax around other people, and when you do, you see the good and the ugly. Yep. And that's one of the difference because online, they only see the good. Right. They only see the beautiful days. They only see the smiles. Right. They only see the good meals we're eating. Do you ever take pictures of the <laughs> bad meals? No. It's, wow, look at how amazing this food is. You're not going to tell the online world that you're eating horrible food because then you're having a miserable experience. But right. you want everybody to think you're having a wonderful You're not experience. the chef you thought you were. Right. These people who are in person in our life, the real friends, when, when we go to a hospital, Jody, they're the ones... They get in their cars, 
They stop their schedule, they adjust it for us, they make time for us, even if there's time or not, they do it, they they use their gas, they, they bring you a smoothie when they show smoothies. up. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're spending their hard-earned money, their hard-earned time, they're taking the energy, they come and visit yep. us. This is reality. Yes. Versus a perceived reality. Adjusting their day to accommodate something you need. The online friendships, that's just an easy relationship where people can just type characters into the chat box and push send. If you need anything, let me know. Right. I'm there for you. Love you. And it's like, yeah, but you, you weren't there when I was in the hospital. Right. And you weren't there when my car broke to help me. And you, it's just words. You know they don't really mean it. Because right. if you really needed them, well, I can't because, you know. <laughs> so use social discernment. When you're viewing these people who you're calling friends, when yeah. you feel emotionally attached to these people, you feel part of you being drawn to fall in love with these people or expose, you know, vulnerable parts right. of your life online to these people, stop a minute and begin to go through the process of discernment. Mm -hmm. Look at the claim. These online friends, what are you what are you trying to say these friends are? What's the reality you're trying to present? Right. But again, remember, discernment is not making the truth fit what we want it to fit. It's not always going to make us feel better. Right. And sometimes that's a hard decision or result to come to, to look at these online people and to actually say out loud, they're really not my friends. Right. They're really not my BFFs. <laughs> they're an online community that I enjoy socializing with in a set time with set parameters, but it's not going to get me out of jail when I'm in trouble no. and it's not going to come help me in the hospital. And it's just identify and, it for what it is. Right. And like we said in the last episode, those connections or quote unquote friends you have on a social media app, they've even been tailored because you can deny, I don't like them or I don't like what they have to say. I don't like their viewpoints. I don't, you know, and whereas you don't have to listen to anyone that might have a different viewpoint or might tell you when you're wrong, you know, um, you can weed all that out online where your real friends should not be afraid to tell you, look, you need to fix it. You know, do you think people are losing touch, though, with what a real friend is that when people show true friendship? People don't even realize or recognize that that is true friendship being shown to right. them. And they get mad and they sever it. Right. They sever the relationship not knowing that that person was actually being right. more of a friend than the thousand followers you have online. Right. I love you enough to tell you that you're wrong. That, <laughs> you hey, know, you're like, headed the wrong direction. Right. Stop it. Let me help you. Right. You know, and it's, oh, you don't agree with me. Well, they're not seeing your online reality. They're seeing the true reality. Yes. They're seeing the problems. They're the ones that have that are in your life to deal with it. So the, another example I want to use here where we need social discernment is the me in media. <laughs> that this is, this is an area where we need great discernment. The me, M-E, like, like me personally, in media. It's, there is a narcissism that is being fostered in today's world by status updates and tweets. And MacArthur, again, he goes on to talk about this in his article. And this was, remember, this is 10 years old, well, 11 years old now. So some of this is a little outdated, but I still think the heart mm -hmm. of the message applies. He says, a national study fresh out of uh, San Diego State University is confirming that Generation Y really is generation me the jaw-dropping conclusion is that 57 percent of young people believe their generation uses social networking sites for self-promotion narcissism and attention seeking that's 57 percent 11 years ago right. it's probably 90 percent yeah and in the words of this british journalism the me man is everywhere and so is the me woman. They are millions of men and women from every class, every age, every profession who want to talk about themselves. They want to expose themselves. They want to promote themselves in glorious and often gory detail. 
They blog and they bleed and they tweet and they text you all the time. And the medium may vary, but the message is always the same. It's me, me, me. That is the me in media. Mm -hmm. This narcissism that is overtaking people where it's all about themselves. Yeah. Me, me, me. But this mindset of me, 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 Jody, is in direct conflict yes, with God is. and his word. And listen to this scripture. Proverbs 27, 2 says, let another praise you and not of your own mouth, a stranger and not of your own lips. That's a word of God yeah. right there attacking every single selfie ever posted. It says, <laughs> let another praise you. Meaning, don't put your praises out there. If right. you have to say, hey, I did this today, right. and I earned this, and I did this, and I did that, that's self-praise. But other people should lift you up, not yourself, according to the Word of God, right? Let not another praise you, or let another person praise you, and not of your own mouth. Meaning, don't brag. Don't boast. It defies the whole idea of the humble spirit we're supposed to have exactly not of your own lips mm -hmm. so every time we're like i mean it's a selfie world right like look at me look at me look yes. at me look at me 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 <laughs> i'm a narcissist hey it's all about me look at my hairdo today look at my mustache today look at my beard today look at my earrings today look yeah. at my makeup today look at what i'm wearing today yeah. look at what i'm eating today me 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 yeah that's the me that has been put into media the people that post the pictures where they have to have their, you know, five-carat ring in the picture, just, that's, you know, I wasn't posting my ring, but had to make sure it was in there, or taking the picture of something, and they've got their, you know, BMW logo in the background. <laughs> How'd that get in there? Right. Oh, I didn't know it was there. Right. So, let's use the me and media with our social discernment example, with the claim reality comparison. So the claim here in this situation would be, I use Facebook to stay connected with others. And that's a pretty common claim, yeah. right? The, the reality is I use Facebook to stay connected with others. So when we dive into what people mean on that, to understand what they're saying, what they're saying is that they use Facebook to connect um, by letting they connect with, with their online media by letting them know what is going on in their life. And then the flip side is they get to see what's happening in other people's lives. So the reality is that they use Facebook to let people know what's going on in their life. And that's how they really mean they're connected. See, when they say they connect with others, it's always presented as they get to see what other people are doing but I think the reality is more we're letting those people know what we're doing. Right, and we're scrolling past everyone else's updates about their own life. And that's the discernment, right? So when look at what we're doing. Everybody do this. Look at the social media platforms we use, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And I want us to ask these, these questions. Are we posting mostly about our problems, our accomplishments, our purchases, right? I bought a <laughs> car. I bought a boat. Right. Our meals, our children, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm guilty of the meals, but it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so are we mostly posting about our meals? Right. Or right. are we posting to encourage other people? Mm -hmm. We had a rule with my daughter as she was growing up that she was allowed to post one selfie a month. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Every other picture had to be a picture of like her family, her brother, her dogs. Yeah. It had to be about things without her in it. Right. And we were trying to teach her that, hey, honey, life's not all about you. Right. And here's the truth of the, the reality. This is how I feel, right? When I look up my friend's accounts... I occasionally enjoy seeing them doing things, but I really more enjoy seeing what's in their life. Right. Like if they have children or they have, uh, you know, bought a new home, the things they're involved right. with more than just looking at them. Right. And 
that's what we should be asking ourselves in discernment. Is what I'm doing online, am I spending more time posting about me and my life and the things I'm doing and the things I'm involved with? Is it out of balance with, with that versus I'm using media to connect with other churches, to connect with other um maybe, you know, food services for the right. poor. Um, I'm using social media, you know, to connect with good things and not about me, but right. what I can give back to communities or my church. Right. I mean, just ask yourself, and, and only, you can be, only you can be honest with yourself. Are you putting too much me in media? Is that what we're doing? That's a, t- that's, that, that's a question that hurts. <laughs> it really does when you stop and think about it, because I think at some point we're, all kind of guilty of that is there more me in media mm-hmm. yeah and i yeah i agree we're all it's a guilty sobering of it. question yeah uh, but that's what we want to do we want to be able to discern right how we're using social media our online experiences we have to discern to make sure that it becomes more about others and less about us yes and so the, the third kind of example here of social discernment that i, I put on here is we really need to use discernment with our online social influences, like Twitter, Instagram, social media influencers nowadays. How are they influencing our life? So let's use social discernment here. The claim. We could say, I'm a well-rounded, I'm, I'm more well-rounded and cultured when Twitter keeps me updated on the behaviors, the thoughts and minds of those I'm interested in knowing and being connected with. So that's a claim, that being connected on Twitter, makes me more well-rounded because I know more of what's going on with my interests in the world around me, right? Right. The reality, the truth of that, or the angle that we're bringing it, is that we, we always say, well, it's the decision is mine to agree or disagree with them. But this is after I've considered what has been said, what's been posted, and what was presented as their truth. So going through and deciding whether what somebody is saying is true or not is good but it can be a daunting task right? if it's all we're doing with our life. Mm-hmm. And eventually, if all we're doing is listening to people who are posting about politics, right, which is such a topic I don't want to talk about. Right. <laughs> but if all we're doing is listening to political junkies online, mm-hmm. at some point when we're deciding what they're saying is true or false or for us or not, it's going to eventually find the chink in our armor. Yes. It's going to find that vulnerable nerve. Yes. At some point, it, it will. Yes. You can only play with fire so long before it's going to burn you. Yeah. And that reminds me, actually, you may not even remember this, but there was a blog that I was, had been, I was reading because I knew one of the authors of it. And um, it was very, very anti, you know, apostolic anti-christian and i was i would i started reading it thinking gosh how can they say these things you know like i'm just so baffled at the things they're posting they know better and you know and i i was looking at it of i want to hear what they have to say but then i remember you making the statement to me along the lines of that's like a cancer because you'll start out reading that thinking, oh, you know, look at these guys. They're saying these things and they know better. But then it can start to play in the back of your mind and you start to, in the most random of situations, you'll view something and think, oh, they talked about that in the blog and I remember what they said. And you know what? They weren't exactly wrong. And it can start to color your view. Absolutely. And so that is a very good point. And I remember you saying that. And I, I did. I had to stop it because it was starting to make me think negative about things. Sure. And it's easy to put a spin mm-hmm. on things when there's an agenda behind it, right? But mm-hmm. that's what discernment is. It's coming to truth whether we like what it's saying or not. Right. And to use another example real quick, you know, I, I've worked with electrical for a lot of years of my life. And... I know this, that as much as I know about it, I still can get electrocuted from time to time working with it. Right. Because you get, you know, careless with it and a little too Mm -hmm. comfortable with it. Yep. And before you know it, 
you know that that wire is 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 shocking you even though you can be good at it it just happens and know what you're doing right yeah skilled professionals every day on earth are doing what they have been trained in what they've experienced a hundred times before they're skilled in they have taken courses safety measures and they still make mistakes right it's that way with our social influences online and that's where we need discernment so ask yourself this with with twitter and when it comes to instagram and when it comes to tiktok and it comes to whatever it is you're into ask yourself these questions right have i become more jaded towards politics towards organizations towards communities towards churches even my church towards ministries maybe even my pastor and has this happened as a result of what I'm listening to and what I'm watching online, mm-hmm. what I'm reading, uh, what apps I'm signed up on, the communities I belong to? How is it affecting me? Has it changed my mindset? Have my feelings changed after the impact that these apps and these online experiences mm-hmm. made? And what influence did it have upon me of the things I read and the things I saw online? Now, we've really got to be able to truthfully look ourselves in the mirror and do some self-examination here. Because if we're lying to us and we know we're lying, well, then we're just not ready to change. Right. And then that would lead back to the social media addiction, right? The SMA that we we (laughs) did last episode. Right. So perhaps there's some social media addiction getting in the way, but we need truth even in that. Denying you have a problem. Yeah. We have to discern whether or not we have a problem. Well, to discern whether or not we have a problem is just look at our screen time daily, right? Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about that. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we did. So kind of come into our last topic here, our last phase of the topic. And now I said we're going to get into the Bible a little bit. And so we're going to to get into the Bible a little bit. This is, after all, a Christian podcast. And we're talking about social discernment that's used with Christians and in our churches and especially within our youth, but it's not just youth anymore. Adults need this just as much as our young people. Right. But we opened up with one of the scriptures that said in Proverbs seventeen twenty four, it says the discerning sets his face towards wisdom. So if we're going to be a discerner and we're going to use that, we will put our face towards wisdom, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. So we are foolish. If we are looking at the earth and we are wise if we are setting our face towards wisdom. So 1 Kings 3.7, this is the story of Solomon when he had just been made king. This is what it goes, 1 Kings 3.7. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you've chosen, a great multitude, too many to be numbered or counted for the multitude. First uh, Kings 3.9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind. He's praying for an understanding yeah. mind to govern your people. Get this. That I may discern between good and evil. Now, he didn't have an iPhone. And he didn't have an Android. Right, right. He didn't have social... <laughs> but he needed discernment to be able to tell what was good in people among good and evil among the people that he interacted with. He says, for who is able to govern this great of a people? And he asked the Lord. Verse 10, it says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and you have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what Mm -hmm. is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and a discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. This shows that God was pleased that one of his children wanted discernment to be able to govern properly between good and evil. I think today we should ask God, Yes. give me a discernful spirit that I will be able to discern the good and evil, not just online, but even in our schools right. and in our workplace. 
Yep. Lord, give that Recognize spirit. when something is not good for us. God is pleased with that mm-hmm. when we ask this. I'll, I'll give you a scripture that even shows that. Ephesians 5, 6. This is what the scripture says. This is, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So let's just back that up. Let no one deceive you, deceive you with empty words. Online, right? Hello, somebody. If you need something, let me know. <laughs> let no one deceive you. You know how many people post, you know, uh, the fake media, right? Yep. The, the fake posts, it says, don't let them deceive empty you with empty words. words. Yep. Words you know that they don't really mean. It's just something to say. Yeah. It says, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Mm-hmm. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Be careful who you friend online that's posting empty words. The scripture says, don't be partners with them. Right. For at one time you were darkness. We all were, right? We were all sinners. And we're sinners saved by grace. But now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as the children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Yes. That reminds me of a line in a song that says, Break my heart for what breaks yours. Like, let us be sensitive to what breaks God's heart and that we it would break ours too that we we can recognize when something is not pleasing to him i've always loved that i i do i like that line too break my heart with what breaks yours that's such a good point mm-hmm. that's that's so good and it, it's so fitting here mm-hmm. that we're, we're reading the word of god that's showing solomon asking for discernment and god is pleased with it yep then you see here with the writings of Paul to the church in Ephesus, and he's telling them, hey, don't let anybody deceive you with empty words. Has anybody ever read a blog or read a post and you get so worked up and you realize that (laughs) the opinion of the author's reality was so warped and then we're we're ashamed that we even fell for it? Yes. Don't, we are not to be like that. Right. We're to, you have a discerning spirit and that pleases the Lord. It says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And finally, Hebrews 4.12, get this, Joey. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit and of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, we know the scripture that says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word mm-hmm. was God. So if the word is God, and in Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God is living, and then skip down, it says, the word of God is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. It tells us that God himself, one of the characteristics of God, is that he is a discerner. That right. he discerns our thoughts and our intentions that are in our heart. Right. That he practices from his very throne discernment, discernment. of his own children. Yes. And the children of the devil. Right. And if our God uses discernment when it comes to us, and we were created in his image, and we are to be Christ-like, then we should use discernment with our social media interactions, the social media platforms we use, right. the apps we use. Right. We should we should sit down, slow down. Remember, don't jump the gun. Mm-hmm. Listen to the claims. Listen to what is really being said on Facebook. Read every word they're saying and then study the angle and their approach at what they're, why they're taking their view. What do they stand for? Yeah. And once you know that, what they're saying and why they're saying it, then stack it up and compare it to the reality. And if it lines up with reality, then you have discerned what is right. Right. And if it, if it doesn't line up with reality and facts, then you have discerned that it is wrong. And if it's wrong, we should flee from it, right? Because that's empty words. Right. And we, we know the scripture said, let no one deceive you with empty, empty words. Empty words. So I, I really feel that social discernment is needed in every single person that uses any form of social media. I think the church definitely needs social discernment. I know that... Our church does. I know our saints do. I know our departments do. I know our ministry mm-hmm. staff does. I know myself does. I know my family does. We, we need to discern. And it's becoming, it's becoming a, 
a almost a survival technique yeah. it, the way we're surviving in this world because there is so much fake news there is so much false information there are so many fake friends fake relationships yes. fake agendas fake you know <laughs> approaches and we need the word of god in our hearts in our minds we need the spirit of god to give us a discerning heart to be able to tell right from wrong mm-hmm. good from evil right light from dark So we're coming to the end here, and I've really enjoyed this topic. It's been very mindful. Mm -hmm. It's been very informative to me. I enjoyed doing some research on it and learning all the different, uh, I guess, elements that go into this. Right. But uh, thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, Jody, why don't you uh, do a recap and get us out of here? All right. Today we talked about the topic of social discernment and what it means and the three kind of basic elements of so, of using social discernment by the claim that is being made versus the reality. Um, once you've kind of listened to that claim and and did your own research and understood what they were trying to say in its entirety, and then comparing the two, the claim versus what is truly reality, and how it is our biblical responsibility as Christians to use discernment in all of our online connections to recognize when something's not healthy for us, and to be able to step away from it when we do recognize that it's unhealthy. We thank you for joining us today. Remember, you can find us on your favorite podcast streaming platform, Apostolic Anthesis. Go ahead and hit that like button. Give us a good rating. Good ratings help us, um, our, helps our channel get more exposure so that we can help people. We also welcome any questions or comments that you would like to share. We would love to hear from our listeners. And our next episode, we will be diving into the art of conversation, kind of keeping in with the whole social interactions. We'll be speaking on the art of conversation and what that involves. We hope you will join us. See you then. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.